So my wife, Cindy, gave me two bits of advice before uh, today's sermon. First, turn off the mic during the music. And I, and I think I did that, so you probably didn't hear me singing. That's good. And the second, remember your audience. I teach middle school, as we talked about, Abby. I teach middle school social studies, so my audience is usually 11-year-olds, and I tend to ham it up all the time. Um, so this would be the serious side of me that you'll see this morning. Pastor Josh asked me if I'd be willing to, to speak today a couple weeks ago, and my first reaction, to be honest, was, whoa, I am not ready for that. But then I thought about how God has been encouraging me to step out in faith. It became pretty obvious that this is the type of thing I should be saying yes to, so I was happy to do it. Um, I also am happy to give Pastor Josh the week off. So even if this is an epic failure, um, he says that he had been involved in the service 40 weeks in a row. 40 consecutive weeks, so just giving him a, a week off, I think, is a wonderful blessing as well. Um, so before I, I begin, if you could pray with me. Dear God, I pray for your spirit to be with us this morning. I've sought you for the past couple weeks for guidance as I prepared this message. Even this morning, as I prayed that you would be with me this morning, you gave me a a beautiful image of a window, and I pray that right now I allow people to see inside me and see the work that you've done in my life. And I also pray for the window that they have for themselves, that God, you can shine into their lives and they can um, see themselves in a, a great light, that um, they're on the path and they're on the path to knowing you. Uh, so please be with us this morning. Amen. So my wife, Cindy, and I have been members of Grace Chapel for about 15 years now, and I've been active in the church in a number of ways and currently became um, an elder uh, in July. As I considered what to speak about today, really two things came into focus. One is sharing a little bit of my personal testimony, and the second is focusing on our church community. So I grew up in Clifton Park and attended the Shenandoah schools all the way from kindergarten all the way through graduation. And to outsiders, I probably looked like I had it all. Um, I did well in school, and it came pretty easy. Um, I played sports. I ran with the uh, popular kids. Um, I was also a pleaser. I tended to do things that pleased my parents, pleased my teachers, pleased my coaches. Um, and I took great pride, really, in being the kid that didn't swear, didn't drink, didn't che uh, cheat on any tests. Um, so my self-worth really centered on this reputation that kind of developed around me. And part of what I'd say today is that looks can be deceiving, um, that it's often those who are in the limelight, our political leaders, our sports heroes, our entertainment stars, that sometimes are the most spiritually empty. Um, now I know that there really are two kinds of people, those that have God and those that don't have God. And I, was, I wasn't spiritually empty, but I certainly wasn't full spiritually either. And my world came crashing down on me, really, in the five years after my high school graduation. When I went to college, all the academic and athletic honors disappeared. 
my self-worth had always come from being recognized for my hard work. And the world as I had come to know it really was gone. I feel that God wanted me to share this with you this morning. Um, some people assume that only the inner cities really have problems, and those in the suburbs are the fortunate ones. Um, but I disagree. I know that there's a loneliness in the suburbs that's almost unbelievable. And affluence, I think, creates its own kind of sadness. There are those that are struggling, struggling with depression and addiction in the suburbs. I've always felt called to teach in the suburbs. That's why I'm in my 28th year now teaching in the Niskayuna School District, because I've lived it, and I, I know how it feels. I can relate to kids who are lost, even though they're considered the fortunate ones. Fortunately, my parents had taken me to church as a young boy, and the seeds of faith had been planted inside me. So while I was attending college, I actually started on my own to attend church service and to get involved in campus crusade. So to use a fishing analogy, I guess I'd been hooked by God, and he was reeling me in. But looking back, it took a while for me to lead to really give myself over completely to God's claim on my life. I was like a fish that was fighting to get off the hook. Even today, I'd consider myself still a work in progress, but today now I'm 100% convinced that my self-worth really comes from being a son of God and nothing else. There's not a single thing that I do that makes me any more worthy to God. I'm also no better, no worse than any other person on the world. Um, we are all God's children and loved dearly by God. And I do good works out of my love for God and expecting nothing in return. Life hasn't been perfect. I've faced sorrow and disappointment, some nagging health issues, but I've been richly, richly blessed. And I wanted to publicly thank God for that this morning. Um, God did not give up on me, so thank you, God. As we now move toward today's scripture verse, I must say that I love Grace Chapel, and from the time Cindy and I have started attending, the church has always been committed to studying the Bible and sharing God's love with other people. Like Jake just mentioned, I was so proud of our church last Sunday. Um, I thank all who shared what God is doing in, in their lives. Um, I'm very proud of you. I'm sure God is smiling. And I'm so grateful that you're serving other people and then being able to share that you worship here at Grace Chapel. So thank you a million times over, and may God continue to bless you in all the work that you're doing. I'm also extremely proud of those who were baptized on Sunday morning. Um, it was a beautiful event for our church, and what you did was really inspirational. Um, Cindy and I both left church completely full of the Spirit and just feeling so good about our church and our congregation. So thank you for all who had anything to do with the service last Sunday. The passage that I'd like to focus on today reveals the enthusiasm of the early church um, following Jesus' death and resurrection. It's found in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. So if you have it there, you can take a look. Um, I'm primarily going to focus on the first verse here, but it's all such a rich passage of their enthusiasm. I'll share the whole thing. 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wow. I think we'd agree this is a wonderful version of what the church could be. I'll examine, examine each part of this first verse so we can reflect on the passage more thoughtfully. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. I'll switch the order around a little bit. So I'm going to discuss the apostles' teaching, then prayer, then fellowship, and then we'll finish with the breaking of bread. When people ask me what kind of church Grace Chapel is, I always tell them that it's non-denominational, but I always emphasize that it's Bible-based. Cindy and I chose to attend Grace Chapel because of the commitment to Scripture as being the very voice of God. The early church had the advantage of direct experience with the life of Jesus. The apostles were often teaching what they had witnessed themselves during Jesus' ministry on earth. I can hardly imagine how passionate they were as they shared what they had actually seen themselves. I don't think it's surprising that the Lord added daily to those who were being saved. But we should be just as confident. Jesus fulfilled many prophecies that have been made about a Messiah in the Old Testament. Jesus performed many miracles that were written down by eyewitnesses in the Bible. Even after his resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples. We can have confidence that the scriptures reflect the life, death, and resurrection of the Son of God. Reading the Bible should be an important part of our spiritual walk. Our Sunday sermons will always be based on Scripture. Our 9 a.m. Christian education program is also focused on biblical teaching. Many small groups have chosen to focus either on a book of the Bible or a theme. My small group right now is focusing on the book of John. I would encourage personal study as well. My wife, Cindy, is always working on a short-term study that she finds on an app on her phone. If we love God, if we want to know God, we need to study the Bible. God speaks to us through the words of the Bible. Prayer. Prayer is so important to the health of the church and to believers. At Grace Chapel, we have a confidence in the power of prayer. We've always made public prayer a very important part of our service, just like today. We have a prayer chain with committed volunteers who take prayer requests and forward those to those committed to lifting up those people in prayer. We can be confident that God hears us. God wants us to pray. He wants a relationship with us. He wants to have a conversation with us. God answers prayers. Last week was wonderful to hear Liz Gallagher and Christine Muller and others share stories of miraculous healing and the power of prayers. God loves us and wants what's best for us. On my faith journey, my understanding of prayer has changed dramatically. Early on, I prayed only when I was in church. 
As I got a little older, I'd pray before I went to bed. Then I prayed before meals. Then I began praying in the morning before my day began. Now I no longer set any limits on prayer at all. Um, I pray whenever I want to pray, regardless of where I am. Uh, so if I see a beautiful sunset, I'll pray to God. Um, I ask God to help me when I do something difficult. I guess more and more I'm like Adam was in the ga Garden of Eden. He just had a conversation with God. Um, I share joys, sorrows, frustrations, anything. Prayer has become for me a lot like a conversation with a trusted friend. Speaking of prayer, uh, please pray for the elders of our church. Next weekend, we're going up to Tom Blakelock's uh, place up in Scroon Lake for a 24-hour retreat dedicated to prayer and discussion. Our big focus will be on connections. How can we best build connections among each other and also with our church and with God? So certainly prayer would be very important for us next weekend. And that leads us to our next part of uh, today's sermon, which is fellowship. Did you notice how generous those early Christians were? They shared everything in common, sold their possessions and goods so they could more easily give to anyone who had need. That really is amazing. How much should we give? We live in a culture that wants us to spend. So whether it's on TV, the radio, online, um, they always tell you that if you get this product, that's going to build your self-worth. That's, that's going to make it for you. They want us to believe that it comes from the goods that we collect. There's another thread in our culture that wants us to save. We need to save for our kids' education. We need to save for retirement. As I've gotten older, I've felt more and more content with what I have. I feel blessed, and I don't need a bigger house, a fancier car, more exotic vacations, um, a much higher salary. Life is good, and I thank God for watching over me and my family. I don't need more stuff. Um, I believe our society has a hard time saying enough is enough. Um, so I encourage you to be happy with what you have and look for the blessing in what you have. Um, so what is a Christian to do? Do I desire some goods? Yes. Do I want to save some money? Yes. I believe God desires for us to have our heart in the right place when it comes to our finances. We should be generous. We should store up treasures in heaven, not here on earth. Um, all we have ultimately belongs to God. What we have is because God has blessed us here on earth. Um, the Bible provides us with a starting point for giving, the tithe, 10% of what we earn. Um, Cindy and I have committed ourselves to supporting the church and other Christian organizations, such as Schenectady City Mission, Beacon of Light Ministry, um, Alpha Pregnancy Center. Um, we have found that the more we give, the more we've been best blessed financially. And that shouldn't be a surprise because Jesus' parable taught the faithful stewards of God's resources will be given more. Um, now to talk about other uh, things related to fellowship. One uh, advantage of the people in the early church was that they all lived close to one another. 
Imagine if we all lived in the same neighborhood and the neighborhood was within walking distance of Grace Chapel. Would our lives be different? Would we be more connected to one another? I have a feeling we would. Grace Chapel has the challenge of being located in Clifton Park. And again, having lived here most of my life, uh, I do love the place, but we have to admit that it's a transient bedroom community. People come and people go all the time. That is challenging for a church. You develop friendships with people, and before you know it, they're transferred to another place or they've left the church for some reason. My hope is that our church can be a stable, loving community in the midst of a transient town. To do that, we need to build connections to one another. For those that are newer to Grace Cha uh, Chapel, I would give yourself some time. Again, my connections go back 15 years. Um, I'm thinking very early on, Cindy and I were asked to be trained as marriage mentors. Andy and Shelly Grasso, Tom and Connie Blakelock were part of that group. Tyler and Sarah Romlin, and also Greg and Jesse Underwood were couples that we mentored. For many years, my kids and I participated in vac Vacation Bible School. And that built connections to many people, including VBS leaders like Bob and Lisa Platt. I've been in charge of games on the men's retreat for about a dozen years. Chris Silipino and Glenn Cook have been speakers on those retreats, so I've gotten to know them. I've attended the men's breakfast from time to time, led by Frank Augustine or Don McCarthy. Um, I'm in a small group hosted by Jim and Jane Van Asdale. I volunteered for projects here at church led by Jonathan Meyer. The list goes on and on. It didn't happen all at once, but over time, my life is now blended with many, many different people here in this church. To be honest, we're all on faith journeys. As a child, I attended Shenandoah United Methodist Church, and I knew Bill and Betty Casey and Kevin and Debbie Dixon from my days at Shenandoah United Methodist. So I encourage all of you to get involved. Each relationship you form leads to new relationships and new opportunities. In time, you really feel like you belong here and that you're a blessing to others by being here and sharing your heart and your talents. The more we can become like the early church, the better. So I'm so grateful, really, for all of you. Each person I've met in this church has been a blessing to me. Um, you are important. We need you. And you make this place a better place by being here. The breaking of bread. You may have noticed that the breaking of bread was mentioned twice in our scripture passage this morning. It was obviously very important to the people in the early church. They knew they were following the example that Jesus had given them. I've always been fascinated by communion. Um, the sa this sacrament is both somber, it's a reminder that Jesus died for us to take away our sins, but it's also a celebration that Jesus rose from the dead and has become our pathway now to salvation. So communion is one of those experiences, I think, where we can feel closest to God. It doesn't say in the Bible that communion can only be administered by a pastor. He instructed his disciples to do this in remembrance of me. Some of the most memorable times I've had communion actually involved groups of friends at church who shared a communion meal together. We did it reverently, and together, 
and we honored God and strengthened our friendships by doing so. I have the advantage of sitting in the first couple rows over here each week, and usually after I've taken communion, I pray for all of you as you pass by in front of me. Um, it's a wonderful opportunity for me, and it's also a comfort that we're all in this together. The power of numbers is just amazing as the people pass by in front of me, friends that I've known for many years now. Um, so I pray that this morning that you will feel that joy of community as you come up here to share um, in communion and also feel a closeness to Jesus as it happens as well. We are all in this together. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So I encourage all of you who know Jesus to come to the table this morning, this morning and celebrate what God has done for you. For those who have not yet committed themselves to Jesus as personal Savior, I'd ask you to, to pray to God during this time so that you can open your heart and so that someday you could accept Jesus soon. Um, the band is going to, to start to play. I'm going to uh, partake of the meal itself. Once you've reflected for a bit, I ask you to come forward and enjoy this morning's communion. 